Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Imagine what it would be like to serve in the Gulf War as a fighter pilot and play in the Super Bowl all within the same year. Well, that is exactly what happened with our next guest, Chad Hennings. Now, listen, folks, I can be pretty tough to impress at times, but this man's life is something straight out of a movie. Now, here's a quick preview. After high school, Chad went to the Air Force Academy to become a fighter pilot and in the process became an All-American football player who's now in the College Football Hall of Fame and was named the Western Athletic Conference's Defensive Player of the Decade. Then he got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys but could not play in the NFL until he served his eight-year commitment to the Air Force. But then, by some miracle, after 45 successful missions in the Air Force and having served in the war, Chad was actually released early from his military commitment, and he became the oldest rookie in the NFL at age 27. Then, after nine years in the NFL with the Dallas Cowboys and winning three Super Bowls, this man has some incredible stories to tell. For example, wait until you hear his story of what it was like to stand on the sidelines for the national anthem during Super Bowl 27, and he watched those fighter jet airplanes fly over the stadium. I mean, I think anyone would get pretty emotional at that moment. So friends, we cannot wait for you to hear this incredible conversation with Mr. Chad Hennings. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery. Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future, followed by miscarriage, and then Kevin's cancer diagnosis. However, today, we live a life completely healed and restored with three healthy children who doctors said were not possible. And we're here to tell stories that inspire, give hope, and brighten your day. Welcome to Tell Us a Good Story. Steph. So excited. So excited. <laughs> this man is probably just looking at me like, this girl's crazy. Like, I'm going to just limit my amount of time I have with them just so she doesn't scare me. Well, what I have researched about this next guest is nothing short of astonishing. Mm-hmm. So we should get right to it. Friends, our next guest is the author of three books a real estate entrepreneur, and a professional speaker. He played nine years in the NFL with the Dallas Cowboys, is a three-time Super Bowl champion, and a former U.S. Air Force fighter pilot. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to tell us a good story, Mr. Chad Hennings. Oh, Chad Hennings! Hey, happy to be with you guys. First of all, I always want to thank you for serving our country. No kidding. Seriously, thank you for what you've done for us. It's my honor, my privilege. Steph and I were talking ahead of time. You are the perfect person to ask this question. Have you seen the most recent movie, Top Gun? Yes, I have. What? Up. Outstanding. Okay. What? This is perfect. So how realistic? I mean, when you were at the Academy, were you on the beach playing volleyball in your jeans and, and shirt <laughs> off and all of that? I mean, how uh, realistic that, is that, it? That took it. That's the Navy. I was on the Air Force. I'm on the cool side. But, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the second movie, the flying sequences, very yes. realistic. Really? I don't want to ruin the movie for the people, but the actual flying sequences, the filming, the video inside the cockpit was very realistic. It got me very excited. I wanted to hop back in the cockpit and fly <laughs> again. You know, the only things that, you know, when they're flying around with their masks dropped down, you know, and they're communicating at altitude, that's a little unrealistic. But the actual flying phenomenal i give it two thumbs up it's not the woke stuff it's duty honor country sacrifice right all around two thumbs up 
That's awesome. Okay, I have a question for you. Because you're a big dude. I think Kevin said, where are you? 6'6", 290 is six, what he played six, at. 6'6", 290. How on earth did you fit in a cockpit? Right. <laughs> you know, there's an old adage, if there's a will, there's a way, right? No, <laughs> I had received waivers for my height and weight to be able to fly. I was too oh. tall and too heavy for the, for the ejection seat. Since we're telling a good story, here's a good story in relation to that. When I was flying the initial jet trainer, going through pilot training, I went through Shepard Air Force Base, which is in Wichita Falls, Texas. The initial jet that we trained on was called a T-37. But two weeks after I was flying that jet, wing flight surgeon at the base came up to me and he said, Chad, we had to go back and actually check the design specifications of the ejection seat because we're not sure if you'd clear the tail if you ever had to eject out of the aircraft. Oh, I'm like, man, thank you for sharing that with me. Two weeks <laughs> after I've been flying this plane. But from then on, my instructor pilots would brief that if we're, quote unquote, in a controlled ejection situation, which is an oxymoron for a controlled crash, we'd go to a controlled bailout area, roll the aircraft inverted upside down, then pull the ejection handles to allow the extra G of the Earth's gravitational force to pull my, help pull my big butt out of the plane. So that's just kind of fuel for thought. Oh. It's too big for the flight. Did you ever have to get ejected? No, thankfully. Oh, good. When was the last time you flew? Well, here's my claim to fame, too, is I flew my last mission in northern Iraq in um, January, February of 92, and I played in the Super Bowl the same year. Yes. What? I want to get to that. Well, then let's do fun facts because he has a lot of them. So, Chad, from all of our guests... I like to give a list of fun facts, okay? And typically, Chad, I do this at the end of the conversation because it's like three to five. With you, as I'm researching and going through this, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this whole conversation is fun facts, okay? <laughs> so Steph is not aware of these, okay? So you're going to see her, her real reaction here, mm-hmm. okay? So I just want to base this conversation on fun facts. I because, love it. And this is the first time we've done this, Chad, mm-hmm. in 132 episodes. So Steph, you ready for I'm, first fun fact? Yes. All right. Chad was born and raised in Van Horn, Iowa, grew up on the family's 900-acre farm, population 150 people. He a country boy. <laughs> I'm a farm boy. That's yes, right. Yes, you are. Yes. <laughs> Chad's main sports in high school, football and wrestling. He was named All-State in football, played tight end, defensive end, and was the school's kicker. You were the kicker? Hold on. Oh. He was named All-State as a punter in high school. <laughs> I look like a punter, don't I? Yes, <laughs> totally. Six, six punter. When I look at you, I'm like, punter, God, obviously. I must be a kicker. <laughs> That's just because when you go to a school or a community that small, you didn't have a lot of guys in the team, so I had to do, you know, play every position almost. <laughs> That's funny. So then in wrestling, Chad was the state's heavyweight wrestling champion during his senior year. Mm-hmm. And this isn't like he's in Rhode Island. Iowa's this is a wrestling Iowa, state, right? Wrestling capital of the world. Yes. What was your record then, like your senior year and stuff? Did you go undefeated? How did that work? Another great story behind that. My freshman year, I went out for the wrestling team, wrestled junior varsity at 132 pounds. So I (laughs) I had a big growth spurt later in life. But my sophomore year rolls around, and there's one thing in wrestling you had to do, at least they were allowed us to do back then, is to cut weight, drop a few weight classes to get down so you're more competitive. Right. I hated that. I despised that. I didn't have the mental maturity or the commitment to be able to do that. So I went out for another winter sport basketball, but I soon realized you can't tackle anybody on the basketball court. And I keep falling out of every game. So basketball wasn't necessarily my sport. 
but I went to a, you know, so I went back out for wrestling my junior year. Now I'm wrestling at 185 pounds. So I, I mean, I had a big growth spurt. I had a great season. I had one loss, made it to the state tournament. And I walked out that first tournament and I'm walking, as you know, I come from a small country community and where they have the state wrestling tournament in Des Moines is like 10,000 people, eight mats. So there's just a lot of people here. And I was very intimidated mentally. And as I remember shaking my coach's hand, going out, shaking my opponent's hand, and I'm thinking as I'm walking out, man, I'm going to lose. Not mm. kind of the thoughts you want to have. Right. Go out to the mat. But long story short, six minutes later, I end up losing when I should have won. And from that on, that's where kind of a pivotal point in my life and a mental discipline standpoint, I said I was never going to allow myself to be defeated ever again, particularly mentally. And I was a man on a mission. So that whole next year, through football season, through off-season summer training, I lived, I breathed, I slept wrestling. So by the time my senior year rolled around, I was 32-0. and 0. Nobody scored a point against me. I beat everybody by at least eight points. Oh, my gosh. I pinned them. And one guy at the state tournament scored one point against me because he was what they called fishing out where he didn't want to roll over. He's afraid to get beat. And I cross-faced him too hard, gave him a bloody nose, and the referee gave him a penalty point. But for me, that was the awakening that this is what it takes, you know, to compete at that high level, that excellence level. And for me, that's when a lot of recruiters from other football schools started to be interested in me because, man, holy cow, who is this kid and where the heck did he come from? But by that time, I was already committed to go to the Air Force Academy. But I was actually a better wrestler than I was football player growing up. Wow. So why did you choose the Air Force for football instead of going to another school for wrestling? I wanted to look at what was going to be the best experience for me, education-wise, experience-wise, as well as challenge. I didn't want to go to a normal school where it would just be all football, you know, football powerhouse. And the academy was the perfect fit for me in that regard. And I had a job when I graduated. So that was all. That's cool a good too. Point. Did you have a second choice for football? Yeah, I was looking at either University of Iowa or Iowa State. But again, I wanted to get I wanted to go out of state. All right, Steph, next fun fact. Although Chad was a highly sought after high school football player and state wrestling champion, he went to Air Force Academy. As a freshman, Chad played tight end on an option offense that threw the ball on average two times a game. <laughs> so after his freshman year, they're like, hey, you want to switch over to defense so you yeah. get a little bit more action? I would. So I'm assuming that wasn't a very hard choice then, Chad. No, well, it... it um the position that I ultimately switched to on the defensive line, the graduating senior the year before was the conference defensive player of the year. And they needed a guy that was a big guy that was athletic. And based on my wrestling experience and a lot of the experiences I had in high school, it was a perfect fit for me. So that's why I made the transition. My first year at defensive tackle would have been my sophomore year. I was an interior defensive tackle at 225 pounds. Oh my gosh. So that was a little bit undersized. So say he's a little small. Uh, yeah, at two twenty-five. Yes. So he he could fit into a cockpit normally yeah, at two twenty-five. Time he could have yeah. fit. But then, but then I grew. I grew a little bit then also. So. <laughs> Did you grow in height? I yeah, I was a late bloomer. I grew two inches, and I probably put on close to fifty pounds when I was at the academy. Yeah. What? Completely different person. Jeez. So then, okay, here's when it gets crazy stuff. Okay. As a senior, he led the nation in sacks with 24. Okay, so to compare that with us being Ohio State fans here in Columbus, last year's Ohio State defense, the person who had the most sacks was their defensive tackle with six. 
Chad had 24 by himself. So during that year, 1987, he was awarded the Outland Trophy, mm. which is the best lineman in the nation. And he became the only player from a Colorado school to win that award. That's phenomenal. So, okay, let's put that in perspective. You had to have been sought out by so many professional football teams, but you had already been committed to the Air Force. So how did that work? So to your point, Steph, after graduating from the Academy in 88, the Cowboys selected him in the 11th round of the 88 draft. Okay. But Chad had an eight-year commitment to the Air Force. Mm -hmm. The only other person that had done something like this before was Roger Staubach, and that was at the Naval Academy 20 years prior to this. And when you attend a service academy, it's typically a five-year base commitment. But I chose to up it to eight years because I wanted to fly jets, as we talked about. Oh, okay. So my commitment was longer. So technically, playing in the NFL was never going to be an option. I was just grateful that they drafted me. But if I'd have fulfilled my whole commitment, it would have been I would have been a 32-year-old rookie in the NFL. But what had happened was our armed forces, after the first Gulf War, they did a reduction in force, meaning. We don't need, didn't need to have this large standing army, Air Force and Navy anymore. So they started to do what they call the reduction in force. They initially, they waived my pilot training commitment, but I had been in for four years. So I had to do five, but then all of a sudden they came out, not enough people were getting out. Then they did something that has never happened before in the history of the Air Force Academy. They waived two years off of our service academy commitment, not just for me, but across the board. So I had a lot of my friends went to go fly for the airlines. So now I'm eligible to get out. But during this time, I was drafted by Tom Landry era of the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson are now the, uh, or Jerry's the owner of the Cowboys, but Jimmy is the coach. They had no idea who the heck I was. And I had my agent kind of reach out to him and say, hey, Chad Hennings is eligible to get out and play for y'all. Are you interested? And they said, well, you know, who's Chad? (laughs) But, But they said, yeah, you know, is he in shape? So I received a phone call, and I'm based in England at this time in the United Kingdom, flying A-10s. I just got back from a three-month deployment in Inchalik, Turkey, flying into northern Iraq. My agent called, who had represented me in the negotiations, said, hey, Cowboys want to try you out. Can you be in London Heathrow Airport tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock for a flight back to Dallas to do a workout? This was like, this would have been a Thursday night. I said, let me find out. I called my ops officer up. I said, hey, can I get some emergency leave Dallas Cowboys want to work me out. He said, yeah, whatever you got to do, let's do it. So my wife drove me down to the airport, long story short, went to Dallas on minimal amount of sleep. I did this workout for them, similar to exercises that they do at the combine for all the rookie prospects. And I had a really good workout. Jimmy Johnson said, Chad, we like what we see. When can you come join us? I had no idea. Nobody's ever done this before. And I literally, I saluted him and I said, coach, I'll, I'll go figure it out. I went back, I submitted my separation paperwork. And within three weeks, I was out processed out of the Air Force, moved into Dallas, getting ready for our first training camp. Wow. So while he was a fighter pilot stuff, he went on to fly 45 successful missions behind the controls of an A-10 Thunderbolt fighter plane. So I believe your first mission, didn't you have a close call? Something happened on your plane? Yeah, when I was, we were flying, ferrying our jets from England, and we had to fly to Insulik, Turkey. And the A-10 was designed to be a tank buster. Okay. It's a close air support designed to fly really low and high intense. It's like a flying tank. And we can get into all that later. But on this mission I was flying, we had just 
France had allowed us to fly over their airspace, which saved us a lot of time. And, and again, the A-10 is not a very fast aircraft. So I got around the boot of Italy. I'm in the Mediterranean Sea, and I ended up, long story short, losing an engine. My oh. oil pressure on my right engine, my number two engine, had a bad seal, so I had to shut it down. And again, the A-10, slower aircraft, I'm over a large body of water. What do I do? You know, so I had to divert into the island of Suda Bay Crete, which was a naval air station there, and kind of working with my wingman as to how to divert and to land the aircraft safely. And eventually, the next day, I got over to Turkey the following day when they got a spare jet for me. But it was a pretty cool experience. So what's more mentally taxing then? Preparing for a mission, right, where you're possibly taking on real bullets, right? It's not training or preparing for like a Super Bowl? What's more mentally taxing, I guess, from a training perspective? You know, from a mental pre preparation standpoint, exactly the same. Really? The things that I did to prepare to fly either a training or a combat mission were very comparable to the things how I prepared, you know, mentally to play a game. In the Air Force, we would brief our communications, what our call signs were, how we were going to communicate between each other. Sometimes in a comm out area, you had to use hand signals to one another if you were close enough. You had to study what your enemy was going to do, what like surface air missiles or anti-aircraft, things that they could harm you with, what, what we were going to go after and destroy. Was there a tanks? Was it a fixed site? What was our mission? And then after all that, we would film, evaluate our, our film because we videotaped everything. And then we, after the mission, we'd go back and say, hey, what did we do good? What did we do wrong? Same thing with the Cowboys. We'd videotape everything. After the practice or after a game, you, you'd analyze and how can we get better? So the preparation and the mindset were, were exactly the same. Okay, since you mentioned Super Bowl, I have a question for you. What was going through your mind when you're standing at the Super Bowl and you see the fighter jets going, Go across, overhead. The, yeah, going across the sky? You know, that's where... <laughs> A lot of my teammates would sit there when we would have flyovers. They'd always say, okay, what's, they'd look over at me. What's, what's Chad thinking? He's getting fired up. Or what's he doing? But what was cool was in the Super Bowl 30, when we played the Steelers in 1995, that one, I had a couple of former teammates from the Air Force Academy that were actually flying in the jets, the F-16s flying overhead. Really? Really cool. And it kind of, one of those things, full circle in life. And every time I see it, I get a lump in my throat. I mean, we live in the greatest nation in the history of mankind when you see that. Very proud. Okay, so fun fact here. Like he said, after serving a four-year term, he separated from the active duty Air Force in April of 92. And the next month, Chad joined the Cowboys. He turned 27 years old at the beginning of his rookie season. And like he said earlier, in one calendar year, he went from flying jets being in the war to being in the Super Bowl during his rookie year. How surreal was that for you, Chad? What a year. We call it when you're drinking by the fire hose, you don't have time to think. You're just reacting. And probably throughout my whole career with the Cowboys, I never had time to sit back and reflect yeah. on what we were doing. It was just, this is the mission at hand. Stay focused. Keep your vision very myopic. What's in front of you? It was very challenging to say the least, but one question you may ask too is, you know, what was it like to play in a game? I said, it, it was the same attitude that I had when I first started playing football and organized football in junior high. It's just 22 guys out on the field. The field's a hundred yards long. You just shut out all the television, the cameras, the crowds, the noise. And it's just you and that guy in front of you trying to defeat him. 
What was better for your wife, knowing you were going off to fly jets or seeing a 300-pound guy trying to come after you on the field in the Super Bowl? <laughs> right. That'd be a, that's a great I don't know if she's ever been asked that question, but you know, they're probably very comparable because it was very difficult for us when we were, when I was flying those missions, and I can remember the very, when we first deployed, we got tasked on a Saturday morning hey, you guys are deploying, your squadron's deploying. We didn't have no any preparation time. It's just, hey, you're here and you're going to be in 24 hours, you're flying a jet out. So it's like me going home and telling my wife, hon, I'm going to be gone. I can't tell you where I'm going. Don't know how long we're going to be gone, but wow. I'm going to be gone. So, I mean, for yeah. her, I can only imagine, how do you process that? Mm-hmm. You can't control your outcome. And it's, you know, faith in God, it yeah. is totally, you have to walk in that. But you know, and then at the same token, too, she's seen me get hit by some guys, too, and, and very slow to get back up. And it's like, oh, he's going to be sore tomorrow. <laughs> oh, that's tough. Okay, Steph, this is amazing. His first Super Bowl was in Pasadena. Okay, it was Super Bowl 27, January 31st, 1993. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. So the Cowboys beat the Buffalo Bills 52-17. The coin toss, OJ Simpson. Really? The national anthem. Do you remember who the national anthem was, Chad? Was that, um, what's her name? Uh, tell me. Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks. Yeah, he came. Yeah. Halftime show. It was the very first halftime show where the NFL went and got a big name. Uh-huh. Halftime show, Michael Jackson. Oh, my God! <laughs> this is his first Super Bowl. And then one of the more memorable plays was his teammate at the end, Leon Lett, when he got that fumble, ran 64 yards, and got stripped at the goal line. Yeah. So, okay, what was that like? As a fellow defensive lineman, what was the reaction then at the game when that happened right in front of you? Well, you know, fortunately, we were up so much at that 35. point. 35. It really was irrelevant to the game. But poor Leon got mercilessly teased by everybody. It's like, man, you could have scored a <laughs> touchdown in a Super Bowl. And now you're on a highlight blooper of one of the top. I think he has two of the top five NFL blooper highlights of all time. That's true. I forgot about the Thanksgiving Day game. Yeah, the Thanksgiving. uh, Yeah, that's right. That's right. So then during the next three seasons, Chad would go and win two more Super Bowls. In Super Bowl 28 at the Georgia Dome, Dallas beat the Buffalo Bills 30 to 13 the Bills became the only team to lose four consecutive Super Bowls. Mm. So at some point, did you feel sorry for them after the game at some point, Chad? Or it was like too bad? That's life. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I have a question because I know we're running out of time. Where do you keep your Super Bowl rings? Oh, yes. Like, I'm sure you don't have a jewelry box. Uh Uh-oh, you might. Keep them in a safe, actually. But here's a few of them here. I don't have them all, but here's a couple. I don't know if you can see. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Do you wear them? Yeah, you know, I wear them when um, I'm speaking to a corporate audience or I speak to a group of kids. Or I used to wear them before the TSA when you wanted to try and get, you know, upgrades on an airline <laughs> or a reservation to kind of sit there and choke your face. But uh, that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> Can you imagine him coming up with all of his rings? He looks like a rapper with all these like huge rings on his fingers. Like, is this guy Elton John? What is this? <laughs> Very much so. Then two years later, Super Bowl 30 stuff. According to the LA Times, it had 94 million viewers, 
The NBC broadcast broke the record for most watched sporting event in the history of television. It was second to MASH. So it was the greatest sports event ever. Mm -hmm. So in that Super Bowl, Chad here had two sacks. It tied a Super Bowl record at the time. Mm. So at the end of the game, because this is what I would be doing, Chad, were you praying, God, please let them vote me MVP (laughs) of this Super Bowl game? Please, God. I'm going to Disney World. Yes. No, it was, you know, I mean, we were just happy that you won the third Super Bowl, but we collectively as defensive linemen, we're the reason why Larry Brown got that MVP because poor Neil O'Donnell was running for his life that game. And in his defense, we played the Steelers the very first game of that season, and we sacked him nine times in that game. Oh, so my gosh. He, he was hearing footsteps, and he was having some PTSD. Yeah. That. <laughs> right. And, and well, we got after him pretty, pretty well again in the Super Bowl, but he was thrown off the back of his foot and running scared a lot. Oh. Okay, final fun fact then. Chad is also the author of three books, including It Takes Commitment and Rules of Engagement, which were released in 1996 and 2010. His most recent book, titled Forces of Character, Chad sat down with 10 people that impacted his life mm. and had conversations with them about their journey, their personal experiences, and why character matters. Oh, that's good. Which is fantastic. So he talked to Roger Straubach, Troy Aikman, Greg Popovich, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Mm. So, Chad, can you tell us more about that book? Yeah, you did a great job of describing what it, my intent was to show people that character is ubiquitous, that it's a choice, that it doesn't matter your background, your race, your gender. It's a choice. So I sought out to you know have conversations with these 10 folks. And aside from those you named, I, I, inter- I had a conversation with a survivor of Auschwitz, a human rights attorney from former communist Romania, an astronaut, a homelessness expert, the CEO for the National Center on Fathering. These are individuals that are you know black, white, male, female, up and down. And it's to show that characters, it's a choice. Mm-hmm. And choices we made and phenomenal stories that you can get a little insight into the background of these individuals as to why they have been able to be successful in literally every area of their lives. You know, like from Roger Staubach, from being a Heisman Trophy winning Naval Academy graduate, Hall of Fame, Dallas Cowboy quarterback to, you know, a CEO of one of the largest former real estate, commercial real estate companies in the world. The choices that he made, how he mentored others, who were his mentors, Every individual that I talked to followed that template and uh, it was very insightful and, and it's very inspirational. Mm. Well, listeners, for more information about Chad, you can go to his website at chadhennings.com. Also, you can get his books, Rules of Engagement, Forces of Character, all on that website or on amazon.com. Chad, listen, I'm so sorry we are running out of time here, but you are absolutely fantastic. I saw a Troy Aikman quote here, and I totally agree with this. It says, every father wants their son to grow up to be Chad Hennings. The guy is straight out of Hollywood. Mm. And after these fun facts, I would say yes. Absolutely. Absolutely, that is true. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for your time, Chad. We we certainly appreciate it. Awesome. You guys are all, I look forward to seeing this, hearing this. And I just pray blessings on you guys. Keep rocking it, all right? Friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or one of the other platforms. You guys, it's completely free. And while you're there, feel free to give us a rating or a nice review. Thank you for listening to Tells a Good Story.